0: Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a column man. I don't believe what I just saw! And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game?
1: Personally, I think you got hosed on that call.
2: Yeah, yeah, you
3: make good comments. So what about that? Do you believe in yet? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show
0: host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> gotta be good at that i talk to people all the time with matt
1: park we are in the booth on a thursday last show of the week with travel tomorrow to florida tampa and then miami for yours truly a noon tip off on saturday on south beach not really because the university of miami is in coral gables a bit up the road and uh, looking forward to that against a miami team That's had a strong season, although its record is only slightly better than that of Syracuse's who fell to just 6-7 last night with a disappointing loss in the Carrier Dome. It's a spring-like day here in downtown central New York, downtown Syracuse. People are in good spirits. They're out and about. There's more people walking on the streets. You're going longer uh, for your lunch and that type of thing. So that sort of belies what people are feeling in their hearts related to the game yesterday, which uh, was a deflating one Uh, given the idea that the Orange had a chance to be over five hundred, had a chance to beat another bubble team and uh, maintain kind of a serve at home against another team that's in the middle of the pack and missed that chance last night in a loss to NC State. 74-70, the final. We're going to talk about it today with Mike Waters uh, coming up in just a bit. Mike from Syracuse.com does a great job covering the team day in and day out. We'll visit with him and get his thoughts on what we're seeing and what will come here in these next two, and three weeks. When you lose games like that, it places a greater deal of importance on, which was already important, winning a big game. Syracuse is going to have to beat North Carolina or Clemson, something in that neighborhood, make a longer run in the ACC tournament to stockpile the appropriate resume to uh, be selected for the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, I hate the Whole, I really don't hate the idea of bracketology. I just don't get into it a big deal. And I do hate the premise of if the tournament started today or if the season ended today, which are two things that aren't going to happen. But uh, if you were sitting down to make the field right now as an exercise, Syracuse would not be in with a uh, six and seven conference record and uh, no real primo wins. You got a decent non conference schedule, an okay performance in a strong conference but uh, not enough right now, and so they've got work to do in the games that are ahead. We will address that as we go along, including Coach Beheim's comments here in just uh, seconds on the game last night. Also, later in the show, we'll visit with Brian Higgins. Uh, Big weekend for him, double duty here, as the uh, Syracuse women, as Max pointed out, are home tonight against uh, Duke. They're in need of uh, another big win. Certainly wouldn't hurt to get it, and they play Duke, who is number 17 tonight at 7 o'clock. And then one of the biggest lacrosse games of the season is uh, the second game of the year, and Albany's first as uh, the fourth-ranked Great Danes come to the dome to take on number seven Syracuse Saturday at two. So that's uh, what's on tap for the show today. Also, your phone calls are welcome at uh, four. What is it? There you go. Four three seven. I was right on to tip of my tongue. Four three seven seven six four four or four, four ESPN forty four. You know,
4: you said you can be a, half, a glass half-full guy here. There's there's wins to be had on this schedule. I mean, they're not going to be easy, but if Syracuse wins games down the stretch, their resume is going to look pretty good with what they've got left.
1: Well, that is the positive. Uh, that's a benefit of being in the ACC. The downside is pretty much any game you could lose. The upshot is any ones that you win carry with them the value of – uh, you know, that look promising to the committee and there are these quadrant one and two wins and, and those types of things, they're out there. Uh, Jim Sadlin, not to put words in his mouth, he's, he has said this uh, to anybody who will listen from the start of the year, it's like, hey, I think Syracuse you know, will beat North Carolina. I think we've all backed off that over the, the course of the season because uh, Carolina looks like it's gotten its act together and has played better. I think Syracuse could beat Carolina. I think they could or will beat Clemson. The problem is those things are now not just icing. Those are required at this point. You're going to uh, need to come up with not just sort of a 500 record, but something that gives the impression that you were a more competitive team in the ACC, that you beat the teams you should. These uh, games that have just slipped away, Notre Dame, at Wake Forest, home to NC State. Those will come back to haunt you in the absence of something that trumps those games. And certainly North Carolina would do it. Clemson would do it. At Miami would help. Uh, and Syracuse could could win any of those games. Could win any of them. Could lose any of them the, the rest of the way. And that's why they play the games. And that's why we find it interesting. I
4: noticed you didn't mention Duke. Mentioned Duke, uh, you isn't? know
1: Duke on the road. I think it's a tough yeah. ask. <laughs> you know, Syracuse has won at Duke. You know, we pointed out they went down there a couple years ago. The great Tyler Roberson game with 20 rebounds, which was a Cameron indoor record for a visiting player to win at Duke. That's no small achievement. You look at the long-standing ACC schools. Virginia just won at Duke this year, for the first time since 1995, and they've been trying a whole. A lot of times. And in many of those years, they played every year. You know, It's only been in in recent seasons when the conference has grown uh, to the size that it is now that uh, you don't go in there every year. But uh, Virginia's had plenty of shots to win at Duke and hasn't done it. Syracuse has. uh, And I don't think Duke's infallible by any stretch. But I, I do think while Syracuse's defense has been strong for the most part to keep Duke down to the point where Syracuse could score enough is the question mark. As it related to last night's game, it was kind of the flip. The Orange uh, defense, for the most part, has been strong this year, but Wake Forest hit a lot of threes in the second half, and certainly NC State did last night. It was a case where the offense wasn't the problem, the defense was.
5: We just went, we had to go with a smaller lineup. There was not much we could do, but we tried to pretty much do the same thing the whole game drive. We got them in the bonus right His away the in bonus. the first half and the second half. We, did, we accomplished what we wanted to do. We scored enough. We just did not stop them. Our
1: defense just wasn't good enough tonight. And not good enough in a very specific way that has come up twice in a row. Chances are, we talk about this all the time, chances are a team is not going to come in and shoot lights out against you. That is the calculation. That is the thought process that goes into the defense. Well, Wake Forest got smoking hot for a period of time. They didn't close the gap all the way in that game because Syracuse was able to score enough while Mitchell Wilbick and Brian Crawford were con- combining to hit seven consecutive threes. Last night, Syracuse scored okay, had a seven-point lead in the first half, but could not get over the hump and hold off NC State because they hit dagger threes. Sam Hunt had four himself in the second half, the transfer from... North Carolina A&T, and able to get the job done, Markel Johnson, who missed a good part of the second half due to foul trouble, he picked up his fourth early, hit the last one that proved to be the game winner. Another thing that hadn't been an issue for Syracuse in recent games as they had won two in a row prior to last night was turnovers. They'd come off a stretch of three consecutive games where they hadn't made eight turn- more than eight turnovers for the game. Last night, 10 in the first half. No bueno.
5: We 10 turnovers in the first half. We can't do that. That's not what we've done. That's why we've won the games. We were better in the second half, but the first half, I thought that just put us in a bad position.
1: Well, it did. Syracuse cleaned it up in the second half, making only five turnovers. And actually, this is sometimes a statistical anomaly. It looks um, odd. Points off turnovers. Syracuse 32, NC State 14. 32-14. So Syracuse had an advantage that was double what NC State scored in that department, plus 18 in points off turnovers. NC State had a boatload of turnovers too, 10 in the first half, 9 in the second half, but just too many. And they weren't all the breakaway, run-out, dunk variety, and that's why the maybe points off turnovers was a little lower. But if you go back and think about the empty possessions, the most notable one I can think of that sticks in my brain is early in the game Tyus Battle, just a couple of minutes in, he's looking and kind of directing traffic, looking down in the paint, dribbles off his foot, nobody anywhere near him, ball goes out of bounds. That's just an absent-minded thing. Yeah, it happens. It just happens. And it happens once or twice a season, perhaps. But you just can't have it happen and overcome it when you don't have the explosive firepower or click on all cylinders and able to uh, get the job done. And these close games, little things like that, do matter. They do add up. Speaking of explosive, the one player that would fall in that category last night for the Orange was O'Shea Brissett. He matched his career high with 25 points and four three pointers.
5: He got in that early foul trouble and was very passive for a long time, but he got picked it up in the second half. You know, he's a good shooter, and uh, you know he made two monster plays. We made good plays to get him the ball, and uh, a couple big threes to get us back in there. But we didn't defend the last three point play. And, that's really the story of the game, second half. We didn't defend the
4: three-point line.
1: Killer three for Brissett to tie the game with a minute to go, but then the Orange gave up the game, losing three with about 30 seconds and change to go. Brissett followed by Tyus Battle with 17 points, Frank Howard 16. And uh, so that's the the big three combining for 58 of the Orange's 70 points. As for what do they get from other folks, well, the center position really provided nada last night. And there's reasons for that. And it it almost became sort of a comedy of errors or injuries. We're not going to laugh about it because it's not funny. And it's uh, it digs, obviously, at the uh, Syracuse basketball heart to see Pascal Chukwu hobble around with a back issue. He hit the floor hard, but that's been kind of a nagging thing for him. Barama Sidibe, we all know, has the knee injury. Matthew Moyer played okay with an ankle injury. And Marek Dolezal picked up a similar type of, of entry last night, just not enough to sideline him.
5: Pascal was, his back was bothering, Barama was sore, so we went with a smaller team, smaller lineup. Um, I thought Matt did a really good job. Uh, I thought uh, he was, he, he did, you know, for not playing, he, he did a really good job. O'Shea made a couple big buckets to get us back in there, but the game decided on, we, we didn't get to the three point shooters three times in the last five or six possessions. And, uh, you know, we gave them really good looks from the three. And they're a good shooting team, and they made them.
1: Well, it's uh, the recurring theme there for Coach Beheim. Yesterday, it just came down to three or four possessions. Not mindful of where you need to be defensively. Not playing scouting report defense. And NC State burned Syracuse last night with a 74-70 victory. To the point on Moyer, eight points, four rebounds. Pretty good. He did make things happen last night. He gets in and crashes around, and uh, a guy that you didn't know what you'd get when he was shut down the previous game and did not play went to uh, 28 minutes last night. Sadibe just five, Chuku 20. So it uh, gives you an idea of the smaller lineup when the centers combined for 25 minutes. We'll he
2: go- did have a heartbreaking turnover, though, too. Like, you know he, yeah, yeah. He, there he, yeah, he gave he, it away
1: just threw it away yeah. it was his the only turnover that was attributed to him in the game but huge. he threw it right to him yeah you know and so those are the things that happen and uh can't have him ha- you know just the I'm not ready to write the uh epitaph on this team yet but when you when you start roughing it out it's going to be just not enough defense was pretty good but here and there had lapses where guys got open for shots and Syracuse got burned. Offense had Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Berset, pretty much there every game, providing a core. Just not enough beyond that. Um, overall, are they? Huge turnover, price? you know, they've, they've been poor with the turnovers. Last night, you know, could have lived with it, but one or two here that really cost them. They paid the price playing a lot of close games and are coming up. Just short now, seventeen and nine altogether, six and seven in ACC play. More to come as we continue rolling along in the booth. We'll be back with Mike Waters of Syracuse.com in just a moment on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: Every Thursday, Coach Beheim talks Orange basketball with Brent Axe. Brought to you by Skinny Atlas Jewelers on the Pulse of the Orange. ESPN Radio ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one.
2: Syracuse lacrosse back in action this Saturday, right here on ESPN 97.7. Face-off against Albany at 2 o'clock. Orange pregame, 1.30.
1: This is In the Booth with Matt Park. You heard the voice of Brian Higgins there a moment ago. We'll hear from Brian himself in just a moment. He's not lying. Syracuse lacrosse in the Dome Saturday at 2. Women's basketball tonight at 7. Big games for both. We'll talk about that With Brian in just a moment. Big game last night at the Carrier Dome. Mike Waters was there and here now to uh, rehash it with us a bit. Mike's from uh, Syracuse.com and his appearance brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. Hello, Mike. How are you?
4: I'm good, Matt. How are you doing today? Good,
1: man. Beautiful day here in uh, downtown Cuse. I imagine you're just a few blocks away, if I had to guess.
4: You would guess wrong.
1: Okay. Well, maybe you're home. Maybe you're...
4: Somebody didn't make... To the office today, man. <laughs> okay,
1: you, you, you may be, uh, you know, on your, your private beach estate for all I know, but uh, it, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really matter. You still got to be uh, oh, on your way to Miami, perhaps. You could, could already be tomorrow. We head there. down
4: tomorrow because uh, yeah. you know, with a noon start on Saturday, uh, you got to get out the day before. And I tell you what, been thinking about that game ever since last night's game ended, and I really think Saturday's game, the season. The season comes down to Saturday for Syracuse.
1: Well, you get the impression that everybody took last night as a kick in the stomach. There's kind of a pall over the discussion of Syracuse basketball right now because of what that one meant. That Those are not the types of games you can afford to lose and still be on track to make the tournament. The beauty Absolutely. of it is you have the opportunity, I suppose, to get back on track, but it's going to take some doing.
4: It would be kind of like... Well, everybody's opinion of Syracuse after they uh, lost to Virginia and they had lost to Georgia tech and then uh, they were out of the tournament and then they went down to Louisville and all of a sudden everything changes when they picked up a, a, a big road win. I mean, Syracuse could do that. After last, last night's game, I'm sure a lot of people walked out of that carried home. Season's over. They're done. They're not making the tournament. Well, if the tournament started today, probably not, uh, you know, into discussion for a bid, but probably not in But when on Saturday and the whole conversation changes again, this is the time of year when you still have two or three weeks left in the regular season. And yet we've all been talking about the NCAA bracket for a a few weeks now. And everyone's so quick to go in, out, in, you know, they're in, they're out, they're toast, the bubble's burst. You know, it's, it's always like, okay, if the season ended today, yes. But the season's not ending today. They still have five more games. There's a lot of opportunity, but, I just can worry about where this team's mental state is. I think they really need a win. I think they they need something to go right for them after losing that game on Wednesday to North Carolina state, a loss to Miami, I think could hurt. And then it would really be a challenge to get up for these next, the two games after that, which are against North Carolina and Duke. I think that they just need a win, not for their tournament resume for their own sake.
1: Sure. You you know, And I agree with you 100%. I think the the thing to think about it is that these games are winnable. You go back to a couple things here through last night's game and if you look at what this team's limitations are I I saw some of it flashing through last night during the middle of the game where it seemed like it was all over the course of three minutes. I, I don't know that it was that quick, but Pascal Chukwu hits the deck hard. He's already got you know, it's 7-2. He's going to have back issues perhaps to begin with. He's holding his back and can't really run even to his standards. Marek Dolajai appears to turn his ankle in the same way that Matthew Moyer has. And obviously sadibe in his on-again, off-again last night was off again in terms of uh, his soreness and being able to, to fight through the knee injury. And if any of those injuries are considerably serious, then, then forget about it, right? I mean, you, you just don't have the bodies to beat anybody.
4: No, you don't, especially not with the level of competition they'll be facing. That said, when they've had their guys, even if they haven't been able to beat everybody, they've been able to play with just about everybody. You know, They, they went down to Virginia and lost by seven in Charlottesville right. to, to the Cavaliers and, and didn't play exceptionally well that night, and it was still just a seven-point loss. So you know, they can play with teams. They really can. Their defense makes them tough. Uh, they will play in some close games. They just need to be able to find the way to make good plays at the end of the game at both ends of the floor, not just at the offensive end. We always think about offense, but if you look at the way they played defensively down the stretch, you're like, wow, it really made some mistakes defensively. Let a guy who's made three three-pointers already in the second half get wide open for another that was just a dagger. Uh, so you, you just got to make better decisions, make better plays. Um, you know, here's the, you look at Miami and you think, oh, it's a tough game, and they are—they're really good. They got you know Lonnie Walker's having a great freshman season. They're seven and six in the ACC. Right. Syracuse is six and seven. There's not that much difference separating these two. Syracuse could absolutely go down to Miami and get a win on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and we're going to talk about Miami here uh, in a second. You know, well, we can talk about get to this point now. I'm flipping through this morning the uh, ACC uh, stats packet. You know, and Miami isn't first, second, third, fourth in the league in anything. They aren't. (laughs) They aren't eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth in the league in anything. Right? They're seventh and eighth in everything. (laughs) (laughs) They really
4: are. They are the ultimate middle of the pack team right now. You know, they've they've been without the Brown kid uh, for a while, who's a real dynamic player. As far as Syracuse goes, when you look at Miami and you think you're heading down there, you're like, well, it's a team that shoots the ball okay from three-point range, not great. Uh, They don't shoot a ton of threes either. Um, You know, so maybe, you know, Syracuse is going to be able to defend these guys, force them into some bad shots. Uh, you know, Jaquan Newton is is a I like him as a player. He's athletic. He's strong. He loves to penetrate. He doesn't shoot it real well. So you know, I, I the the matchup to me is really interesting. And uh, you know, Syracuse could use that win because you know I'm I'm doing my weekly bubble watch, getting it ready for tomorrow morning as we speak. And the the one thing that is looks bad for Syracuse and compared to the other bubble teams is the lack of big wins. Those quadrant one wins and Syracuse only has the one at Louisville and the other bubble teams like Providence, Washington, uh, you, you, you go down the list of some of the others, North Carolina state was sort of a bubble team. They all have huge I mean, They've all got more quadrant one wins than sure. Syracuse, a lot more in some cases.
1: Well, I was going to say the the couple of teams you've named, there, I don't know about Providence altogether, but they beat Villanova last night. Uh, Washington has multiple wins against ranked teams. NC State has three wins against the you know has beaten the top three teams in the conference. Well, I shouldn't say that has beaten three of the two top teams and then and then North Carolina as well. And they're right up there. And they also beat Arizona. So you know that's four really prime uh, choice wins there. And right now Syracuse doesn't have a one. When you look, the best wins they have at Louisville, pretty good. And Mm -hmm. then the other one is Buffalo, which you know if you only look at the black and white is okay but that's not really going to resonate with anybody because you know how seriously do you want to take buffalo even though they're the class of the mac this year
4: well and the fact that it came at home and you know, it wasn't even on a neutral court like play them in rochester or or in the big arena in buffalo get them off their can it, it was a home game and now buffalo has slid outside the top 30 in the rpi um, so it's not a quadrant 1 win anymore and playing mid-american teams it's going to be really hard for buffalo to to bump back up, so I think you can wave goodbye to that one as a quadrant one. Win. <laughs> so sure. no, it's not a big win. The committee's going to look at it, like you said, with a little bit of skepticism. Eh, Buffalo, um, you know, so that's why these next five games, they all have the potential to be really good resume boosting wins, and Syracuse is going to need two or three of them.
1: When you look at Miami and how do you beat them? To me, one of the advantages of Syracuse left going into the game is an the advantage they had last night. Both teams, as it turned out, played pretty small last night. NC State tends to play with four guards. If you count Torin Dorn, he's kind of a swing man at 6'5", mm-hmm. and then one big man. And Miami has – some of its big players are perimeter players to begin with. But when you look at Chris Likes, who's just lightning in a bottle and, and a really fun, exciting player to watch, he's 5'7". You know, uh, Frank Howard will put it, be able to put his uh, lunch on, on Chris Lake's head at the start of the game on, on Saturday morning. And, you know, to me, that's got to count for something. And I think if you look at how does Syracuse's best players, the, the three 40-minute guys, you know, they might have matchup advantages at every spot. They might.
4: If Miami chooses to go man-to-man, you would think you've got some advantages there with Tyus Battle and Frank Howard. It will be really interesting. Does Miami play a little bit of zone? I think some of these teams are going to start looking at playing more zone against Syracuse. You've seen a few that have done it already. Um, If you look at it too, Miami's not a great defensive team. Their, Their field goal percentage defense is near the bottom of the league. Now Syracuse isn't a great shooting team, but going up against some of the worst defensive teams like Louisville and NC State and Pittsburgh, those are the games Syracuse does do well. So maybe they can take advantage of a team that doesn't play exceptionally well on defense and, and shoot a little bit above their average. And they do that, and then they go back into their 2-3 zone and, and play it with some energy and, and desperation. Again, you know, little avenues towards a victory, and these are what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about is most uh, suitable to actually North Carolina and Duke when you're talking about teams that are offensive-minded, really can fill it up, don't put a ton of uh, emphasis on defense at least their players haven't uh, for this year and, and they've both of those teams have given up a lot of points so uh, those are possibilities too except the Syracuse plays at Duke and uh, yeah. you know I think you, you look at these teams that score a lot of points they don't do it really against Syracuse because the orange defense for the most part has been uh, strong this year but uh, we'll see if they're able to put it together enough to, to get the job done so safe travels tomorrow my friend and we will see you even if briefly at uh, Miami on Saturday
4: You travel safe as well. It's always great talking to you, Matt. I'll see you on Saturday. Appreciate
1: it. Likewise. And there he is with H2O, Mike Waters from uh, Syracuse.com. When we come back, do we care with Joe? Brian Higgins will join us a little later in the show to look at the Orange Women's basketball game tonight and men's lacrosse, which comes your way in the Dome. And you can hear it here as well on Saturday at 2 o'clock. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: Get on the block with Brent Axe. We
1: forget the most basic fundamental thing sometimes. That's somebody's
0: kid. Up. This is college sports. You're in that weird in-between where they're not quite high school kids. You want to teach them about life and growing up and handling their business. and But they still are college kids. And if that's your kid out there, you don't want a coach to wreck your kid's knee because they have to win. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM.
3: Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio.
0: This is ESPN Radio.
3: 97.7 FM Syracuse.
0: And 100.1 FM Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't
3: Larry Fitzgerald is staying with the Cardinals. The 34-year-old wide receiver caused some speculation since, uh, since last offseason when he did not say whether or not 2017 would be his last year in the league. Cardinals coach Steve Wilkes announced today that Fitzgerald is staying where he is and will play his 15th season in 2018.
1: It's great. NFL's better with uh, Larry Fitzgerald in it and uh, he's a class act and hope nothing for the but the best for him and you can see that being a kind of a farewell tour for him in his final year in the league if that's what it uh, turns out to be but he must be uh, clear of mind just uh, won the Pebble Beach pro am as a amateur golfer over the weekend and i uh, must have some real game on the golf course looked good from what i saw rolling in some some putts and great guy and uh, represents uh, the university of pittsburgh very well as well Florida's loss to San Francisco's
3: gain. Florida Atlantic defensive coordinator Chris Kiffin is taking a coaching job with the 49ers. Kiffin has spent most of his career as a college coach with stints at Idaho, Nebraska, USC, Arkansas State, Ole Miss, and FAU.
1: Um, You know, this one's notable because he's leaving his brother, who's the head coach, and his father, who's kind of an informal assistant there in a NFL and college uh, coaching legend in his own right so that's uh, a little different maybe a little strife there probably not though because uh, why wouldn't you want to work in the NFL and live in San Francisco if you can the least known of the Kiffins Chris Chris Kiffin <laughs> thank well, you well, uh, jo- Joe's not one who really tracks a lot of uh you know assistant coach movement in football but uh, this one he found noteworthy to the Kiffin put move. in there
3: and in Idaho, uh, a high school in Idaho had to be locked down this week because a bull got loose from an auction yard and made its way to the school. Police were not able to capture the bull, so the animal had to be put down. No one at the school was injured.
1: You know, this one I'm conflicted about even reacting to given the events in in uh, Florida yesterday, but I, I think of just the juxtaposition of it where... I'm trying to think, how do people justify it? having guns like this and them existing. And I'm every parent of a school age child in America today is thinking about the amount of security that they have at their schools and the things that they deal with. And our country is so vast that not one part of it is exactly like any other part of it. And look how vast this is. They're talking about a, a bull, you know, coming into the school and, and, uh, you know live animals running around and that's their their uh, threat although I guess there's probably uh, some similarities to it as well but uh need to keep our cool s- schools safe one way or the other this one's kind of funny obviously and yesterday was not
3: do we cares brought to you by cam's pizzeria cam's love it first slice
1: so real pick me up there joe outstanding <laughs> work we know we can count on you for that you're Good playing job. Uh, you're playing Syracuse second half defense on my shot today no, nowhere near the <laughs> The when does that the become basket?
2: an issue?
4: Huh? Like everybody knows, you got to guard the guy in the corner shooting the three. Like
3: everybody. Well, watching again, the games.
1: it's not that they. I know I'm not an athlete. I want to go back and watch the the replay before I start crushing people. It's not like when, when these defensive lapses happen. It's not like they didn't know the guy was there, or you know. I do think there are the these the occasional mental laps, but you're going over here because a threat was demonstrated you know, by a fake or by the ball getting to a a certain position. And it's hard to cover all those spots. What the coaching staff works with on is understanding what is the most dangerous one at any given time. And generally it's the three point shot. You know, they would rather have somebody, uh, you know, take a two than, than you know, take an open two versus an open three because the, uh, the two point field goal, you know, if it goes in, which maybe it will, uh, that's fewer points, you know, that you get for that, especially late in a game like that. As happened yesterday. Uh, a three pointer going in is a devastating, uh, game changing play, and it's happened enough here in recent games that obviously some uh, tune up needs to happen on the uh, on the defense, which for the most part this year has been very good. You know, you don't get into the top five in the country in field goal percentage defense by accident. Uh, they they know what they're doing with that. So, all right, we're overdue here for a break, and then we'll get to. Brian Higgins, and uh, chat a little bit about the uh, big women's basketball game tonight in the Dome. And then on Saturday in the Dome at 2 o'clock, face off the Orange and Albany, a pair of top seven teams in college lacks. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Saturday, the Orange head to Miami to take on the hurricane. Coverage starts at 10.30, tip-off at noon on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is in the booth with Matt Park. Welcome back in the booth here on ESPN Radio Syracuse at the Shaughnessys tonight for the American Jim Beheim Show. Coach uh, unable to make it uh, last week. We'll be back for uh, this one tonight, and we'll be on the network seven to eight, eight to nine for those of you listening uh, locally with Gomez, the Gomez and Lisa show on TK ninety nine second hour with uh, coach as we uh, look forward to visiting with him. certainly uh, hard to go through what uh, the details of last night's game, which uh, you know at this point I think he's been pretty forthcoming about what he views to be this team's limitations, et cetera. but as we've visited with uh, Mike Waters about opportunities abound and the orange uh, are right back on the saddle, leaving tomorrow for Miami and a noon start against the Hurricanes. That one televised on CBS, by the way. The uh, Syracuse women's basketball team is home tonight in a game you can watch on RSN, or you can listen to our friend Brian Higgins right here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Brian.
2: Yeah, I know where that channel is, so I recommend uh, that one for this evening here. Yeah, What's
1: the number again on that RSN? What
2: uh I have a hard time. I, my my guide has not been working well recently yeah. so I'm
1: going to have to Is that one where you have, have to, to search get by the I'll get back to you. search by the letters instead of the numbers to find uh RSN
2: I, I, I think so but I think that button on my remote is broken so I'll have to uh <laughs> have to do a little looking and figure that out, what so out later. Some
1: of these remotes now you can talk to them I see and then and just maybe they can figure out what RSN is.
2: I I I have one for for something and I've not used that feature yet cuz I uh I really don't know what to make of it. So I, I've left that button alone so
1: far. Wouldn't it be great if it yelled back at you, RSN is not a channel.
2: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to watch that. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be listening anyway there, Bright, and uh, keeping an eye on the Orange and uh, Duke tonight. And I would dare to say it this way about the Syracuse women. They're not in quite as uh, dire straits as uh, the Syracuse men are in terms of making the NCAA tournament, but uh, it wouldn't hurt them to pick off this game tonight, which would be their second win against the top 20 at home this year.
2: I'd say they're uh, just as familiar with the uh, other side of the bubble as men are. They're they're just in, as maybe the men are just out. Uh, A win today, you probably remove the just part of it, unless you really screw it up down the stretch, but uh, that would be another ranked win uh, to go with the Florida State win, and it's a big opportunity. I mean, Duke's ranked uh, 17th in the Voting polls, and they've got good numbers in any of the RPIs and other metrics you might want to look at. So this would be a a really, really big win tonight, Matt. And I think that would eliminate uh, the remaining doubt unless you really drop some easily winnable games in the last three after this.
1: Sure. The last Syracuse women's game uh, was against Wake Forest, and it coincided with the men's game against Wake Forest. Uh, Got in the car, Brian, just in time to hear you talking about being down 21 in the first half and rallying to win that one by 10. How does that happen?
2: Well, you missed all the fun of the season being over in the first half. It was, <laughs> uh, it was not a great mental space, I don't think, for anybody that was thinking about things down 21 with six minutes to go in the first half. It was a combo of things. Syracuse was playing bad. Uh, Wake was playing at the absolute max of their abilities. Uh, Wake returned to what they normally are in the second half. And the Arns woke up. They played really, really well after halftime. I know Q had talked to them during the week and again at the half uh, impressed to them the importance of the game and framed it in what we're talking about. He basically told them they lose this game. The NIT's got a spot waiting for them and they responded to it and they played well. And I think that's it. And I, they understand what's up at this point of the season and they responded to it and won a game they could not afford to lose. So it was a good time to see him come back and It was great to see some uh, other players step up. Like, Keanu Mongekai played great. Gabby Cooper played really well. Jasmine Nawaji came off the bench in that game and uh, changed it with her defense. She had back-to-back steals in the third quarter, which kind of jump-started it, and then it was all downhill after that.
1: That is an exciting twist, Brian, on the Bill Belichick reading to his team the Eagles' Super Bowl parade plans back in the day, (laughs) the the previous time they – met in the Super Bowl when you say hey we're, we're all good to go to the NIT that ought to spook people a little bit
2: yeah well I mean who knows if that's the reason that uh, Wake completely crumbled after halftime but I think the team being aware of the mortality of their season at that point it, it helps I think it helps because they realized that hey you're the better team here don't screw this up and they went out in the second half and uh, completely did not screw it up. They played as uh, well as they've had recently after halftime.
1: You mentioned Tiana as She, uh, coming off a game where she made 10 turnovers, made zero. Eight assists, zero turnovers the last time out uh, at Wake Forest and was the Orange's leading score in that one as well. So that game tonight at uh, 7 o'clock, the Orange at number 17, Duke. And uh, Dukes had a lot of success against Syracuse of late. Doesn't mean that needs to continue tonight. Now on to Lax, Brian. We got them all warmed up for you on uh, Saturday in the Dome. 13 goals in a row to start the game for the Orange against Binghamton. 21-4, the final. Spread it around, dominated in in every facet. Uh, What is Coach Desco telling you this week about how that's prepared them for their first real test of the season and maybe one of the biggest they'll see all year, Albany?
2: I'll tell you this, he's not expecting 13 goals in a row this week, Correct. or probably not even five in a row. Though the way this Albany game has gone over the years, it might be both teams scoring five in a row more than one time in the game. I mean, this, this is the real deal. This is, if not one of the best Albany teams they've had. They're veteran on defense this year, which is unusual for them, and maybe that's a little better than it normally has been, and that's usually the reason they, they flame out in the playoffs because they give up a whole ton of goals, and that's the end of the season, and that's what it was last year. They gave up 18 to Maryland in the quarters, and we're done, but uh, Connor Fields is back. He led the country in scoring last year, and he is within a vague shouting distance of Lyle Thompson's all-time NCAA scoring record, and he'd have to have the worst season of his career not to finish as the second all-time leader in NCAA points, and it's always interesting. There's obviously a number one recruit in the country every year. And some years, okay, he's a guy and he's the same as the next five guys. I've heard people talking about this Tohoka Nantahoe kid that's going to be starting for Albany for years, waiting for him to show up here as the next coming of the Thompsons. And so he is a superstar in the making and will be making his collegiate debut. So the arch defense has its hands full. I think, though, Tyson Bomberry's is kind of excited about this, though, because he's a Six Nations guy from Ontario. So is Tahoka. They played with and against each other basically their whole lives, and I, I think Tyson's really excited to have a, a physical and interesting matchup on uh, defense on yeah, Saturday.
1: Yeah, sure. Tyson continues to be a, a defensive stalwart for Syracuse. And Then Brendan Bomberry had a career game <laughs> with uh, five goals in the opener against Binghamton. Just about a minute left, Brian, and what? that's really been a game changer for Albany you look at the upturn in their program the commitment to play at Syracuse anytime that coach Desco wants and and have this game I know they really value that it's their first game this year Syracuse is second and the pipeline to the native community has been huge obviously the Thompsons alone but uh that's not the end of it
2: yeah I mean the Thompsons got to go in there but it, it follows up I mean the two number one recruits they've ever gotten are Lyle Thompson and Atahok and Anticoke, and that's going to Albany. That's that's new in lacrosse, so that's exciting. And It, it was no 04 when they first played, and Scott Marr, who's coach's good friend, and Albany's head coach for a long time now, his 20th year, that he'll come to the Dome once a year and is perfectly happy to sign the line forward, even though every time but one, it's met a loss, because he knows that's up to the program and it, It's just made fun lacrosse. You guys play one-goal games basically every year. They play high-scoring one-goal games. And I think more eyes on this game in the lacrosse world than uh, any other this weekend.
1: All right, we'll be watching it uh, on uh, the Watch ESPN app or ACC Network Extra, listening to you and uh, Kyle. We'll see how many woos that can be uh, gotten in on this one. So thank you, Brian, for your time, and best of luck. Enjoy the uh, big weekend. All right. Sounds good, Matt. That's Brian Higgins. You can hear him tonight on the Syracuse women's basketball game right here at 7 o'clock. And then on the men's lacrosse game, 2 o'clock, also right here. Basketball will be on TK99 as they overlap a little bit. So that's our show for today and our last show for the week. We'll talk to you from Miami on Saturday. For Joe and Polly, I'm Matt. So long in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.